0: And uh, we just ask God to lift up. Can you just join us in a chorus of prayer tonight? Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for you are good. You're faithful. You are always on time. Your ways are always good. You are sovereign omnipotent Father, everlasting from everlasting, the great I am. You are with us. And Father, we hold fast to your word. We hold fast to your promises. We stand on faith tonight. We exalt the name of Jesus Christ. It is above every name that the demons tremble and flee. Mountains are made low. Valleys are made high at the name of Jesus. And we declare that name over our families, over our churches, over this country. We pray against hate and racism and division. We pray against the strategies of the enemy in the media to divide and cripple a country. We pray against all evil Forces, God, that we take authority over the principalities and powers and high places. We exalt Jesus Christ over our minds, over our hearts. We establish the shield of faith. We know our weapons are are not carnal, Lord, but they are divinely powerful, bringing down strongholds, forces of the enemy. So, Father, we declare the word of God tonight, Lord, over our church Let every spirit of fear be cast out. Lord, we pray, Lord, for love and unity to abound in every heart, in every home. Lift up husbands to lead through this crisis. Lift up mothers to lead through this crisis. May children have dreams and visions for Your soon coming. Lord, pour out Your Spirit on all flesh in these last days that we prophesy, dream dreams, speak in tongues. Lord, handle deadly things and it would not hurt us. Father, we want to see the miracles come to Your church again. Lord, that people would believe that there is a God who is in control, that You are soon coming to judge the living and the dead. So, Lord... We exalt Jesus, 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 Jesus. We give you praise. Somebody say, amen. 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 Man, it feels good to be here. All right. Woo. Have some church. Okay. Amen. Well, let's get into John chapter one. We've talked about John, the person. We have talked about the historical background of John and the literary devices that he used for his unique day how he contextualized the gospel using history and literary devices like abide and believe and light versus darkness. And we're going to get into the real uh, good stuff theologically and and just in the, the language that John uses about Jesus. Okay, so let's just take a moment. Let's just read with me the first part of John 1. I love this passage. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has not come into being. In Him was the life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. And go down to verse 9. There was a true light which coming into the world enlightens every Man. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. And He came to His own, and those who were His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but of the will of man, not of the will of man, but of God." And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. Man, that's some good stuff right there. Beautiful passage of scripture. And John is using this to set the stage for his whole gospel. Remember what we said, the gospel of John. Is about seven witnesses, seven signs, seven significant statements so that you might believe. It is the case for Christ to a new generation of believers in John's day. And I think it's a case for Christ in the generation that we're in, the last day, okay? So the Gospel of John is unique in its introduction. It sets the theme for the book. It doesn't use genealogies and all of that like Matthew and Mark and Luke does. And it uses cosmic terms. I love this. It's the terms of space, of eternal and divine. He talks about timelessness and the cosmos, all right? So it shows this perspective so that we can understand really what's going on in the story of Jesus. Because sometimes we just think about the baby in the manger, or sometimes we just think about the crucified man, But John wants you to understand that it's the Logos, which is the word of God, which has been here since the beginning of time and before. All right. So he says the so this term is the word, the Logos became flesh. And so all may believe in him and live. That's his goal, that we'll understand it. So look at these terms in, in this first part. Look at these, some of these words. He talks about God and life and light and darkness. He talks about to believe and to know the truth. He talks about the world. He talks about being born of God and being begotten. So he says that he's the begotten, but then he says that we're all born of God. So think about these things and look what we're going to... Let's just kind of go through this a little bit. And look at this word, Logos. The word logos means uh, word, all right? And there's another word. Look, and also it says, talks about tabernacle, grace, and fullness. All of those words are only used in his first chapter. This is really interesting because why would he only use it in the first chapter? He never describes Jesus this way ever again after this one moment. He never talks about Jesus uh, uh, in in the Logos. He never uses that again. He talks about him as the son of God, the son of man, the Messiah, or just the son. But this word becomes this umbrella for the entire gospel. It becomes the umbrella uh, through which we're going to understand who Jesus is. All of his works and everything are going to flow from this one understanding. He is the word. He's the word of God. He's not just a man. He's not just a baby in a manger. He's not just some guy on the cross. He is the word of God made in flesh. That's crazy. That's just because think about he's he's like I've laid my my head on this guy's chest. This guy's washed my feet. We grew up as cousins. I saw him as a kid throwing a Frisbee. Think about it. He was at John the Baptist tent meeting. I know what his B.O. smells like. I know how many times he had to pee on the road to Jerusalem. I mean, come on, think about this. But he was the Word. He's the infinite cosmos, the living God made in flesh. Can you imagine sitting next to the living Word of God a few seats over? Can you imagine what just would have radiated off of him? What it would have just felt like that the guy who spoke the world into existence is three rows over. Think about it. What infinite idea, what understanding uh, John is trying to bring to us. So the most characteristic term in here is the word. The word became flesh and he lived for a while among us. It's this theological truth. In the beginning was the Logos and the Logos was with God and the Logos was God. He's saying Jesus is the logos. Jesus is the word. Okay. And he's, he's finally coming to earth as a human. And what is he doing? He's showing us what God uh, is like. He wants to show us what God is like. He's bringing the eternal God into temporal understanding. How can you understand God? How can you know anything about him? You have some words on a page from some old Testament prophets. Okay. You're trying to understand him the best you can. You have these laws. But then God, I love what he says, he says that he has fully explained him. He says he, no, in verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten of God who is in the bosom of the father, he has explained him. He's saying that God became flesh. So there's this, there's who is Jesus? Is he a man? Was he just some good guy? Was he just a prophet? John is clear. He is God. Amen. He is God. Okay, let's go on from there. So let me give you some background. Uh, Well, Actually, let me say this. There's also this understanding where where, uh, John is going to bring this, not just the omniscientness of him, but this Old Testament idea. All right, the tabernacle. Okay, he's in there. He's like, he's tabernacled among us. Okay, so that's that word. The Jews would have understood that as a tabernacle. He's dwelt among us. Just like the fire of God came upon the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and was with Israel in the wilderness, and in their midst... Now, that same Shekinah, glory, power, Holy Ghost has come down, not just tabernacling in a tent, but tabernacling in flesh. So he was with us then, and he's with us now. That's what John would understand, okay? Not only that, but he's saying that he's the God, uh, he's the uh, eternal God. So uh, I'm going to get off the the notes a little bit. Look in Genesis. Look in Genesis, because this is good. Genesis chapter 1. This logos. Why this is important for John, theologically? Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface. See that word darkness there was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving. Some say hovering over the surface of the water. Then God said, "That right there is Jesus," and God. Jesus, and let there be light. So if I'm a person, okay, now you can't differentiate me from, uh, you know, I'm just a person. But it's as if if I were to have a face, you know, a a head of someone, and that be that head be God. And what that person is speaking, the words that I speak to, to Doug right here in the first row, don't do anything. It's just noise in our ears. But when God speaks, there's divine action. And for John, he's saying, there's God and we talk about God, the father, God, the creator. But he's saying the actual words that proceed from the father, that is the agent God used for creation. It's him. It's all him. There's no it's he's so he's so he's so cosmic It's kind of hard to understand. But he's like the word actually created the world because he even says in John one, everything that exists, exists through him. See that? And everything that exists, exists for him. So everything that exists exists only because Jesus says it to exist. That gets way out there theologically and kind of blows your mind a little bit. But he's saying like this tree is only in existence because God the word spoke it so millennia ago, we're now just, his word is so living and active and moving that it's still, things are still being created and living and breathing and life is happening because of what he did eons ago when he said, let there be. That's Jesus. And so he says, that infinite cosmos of a guy who just the word that he spoke, his word is living and active. Remember, sharper sharper than any two-edged sword. When it said, let there be light in a cosmic darkness. It was such. And that same word is walking among you. Whoo! Think about that. You wonder why he can walk on water. Well, he made the water. You wonder why he can speak to fishes to give coins. Well, he made the fish. He, whatever he speaks into existence, let it so. It is so. It, it is. And when God spoke into darkness... Let there be light. Jesus, it happened. Because Jesus is the Logos. Isn't that awesome? And so you see here, there's kind of a parallel. John, in his gospel... Is really taking us back. Remember, he's talking to a whole new generation of Christians who've lost who Jesus really is, to a whole new day. Like, like our, we're in a post Christian nation. I don't know what you, if you caught up with the news lately. We're in a post Christian society, post modern society. They're, the people who are out there in the streets today have no parents who have ever taught them anything about the Bible. Okay? So, John, the same way, he's speaking, he's saying, Let's go back to the beginning. Now, he's going to talk about a baby in a manger. Not just going to talk about a crucified man on the cross. I'm going to talk to you about in the beginning. There was darkness and the Logos, who is God, who was God, came into being just as he was begotten of the father. He's come into your existence that you might be begotten of the father as well. And I love what he says there. He says on John one, he says he's not been born. He's given you this ability to be begotten as well, not of the will of man, but of the will of God. All right. So let's move on, and let's just talk about that a little bit more. So let me give you the background of this term, logos. So Jesus is the logos. Now you're going to hear some people say logos. Both are correct, and we're speaking in English, so I don't, we don't speak Greek. But logos, um, the background of the term, the audience would have understood it a few ways, okay? So this is not a, uh, for them, they're not foreign to this word, okay? So the Greeks would have understood it in philosophy. There was actually, it's a very famous term in philosophy, is the Logos, all right? So, uh, that one. All right. Uh, Greek philosophy, it was reason. It was reason. They talk about reasoning out the word and figuring out words. If you've ever read Socrates or Aristotle or Plato or anything like that, uh, talk about reason and, and the word and Logos. So it was very impersonal. They talked about universal reason, and Just listen to our colleges today and talking about philosophy and, and all this humanism and stuff. That's where they would get in. John's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. And then, so he's not talking, he doesn't ever use it, the word logos in the sense of reason. So he's not speaking in it in the way the Greeks understood it. He's taking a term that was popular in their context and he's bringing it home to what he wants it to say, just like we should do today with the gospel. We talked about last week bringing words that the people know and using today and making them using that to relate. Then the Jews, the Jews would have understood the Logos as wisdom. And Proverbs eight talks about wisdom and talks about the word of wisdom and, and word is wisdom. But the Jews would have used the term Sophia um, instead of Logos. And John doesn't ever use the word Logos as wisdom. So what John is doing, he's going back to Genesis one in Isaiah 55, let's look there just for a second, Isaiah 55 verse 9, Isaiah 55 verses 9 through 11, this is where John is getting his term and definition, Isaiah 55 verses 9 through 11, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are are higher than your thoughts. For the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So my, so will my logos, my word, this is in Hebrew though, my word be which goes forth from my mouth, it will, re, it will not return to me empty, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. What if you use that to mean Jesus? Sometimes we just think about, okay, God's word goes forth. No, what it, what I, John wants us to look at this and say, look, God said, I'm going to send my word. The same word that created plants and life And all this stuff, he says, my word's going to go forth for the purpose which I've sent it. And when he comes back up to me, he's not coming back up to me void. He's coming back up to me fulfilling the purpose for which I've sent it. To not only speak life from nothingness in the beginning of the cosmos, but when he comes down, he he created the world at the beginning, but he's going to recreate the world again. So John is saying, look, in the beginning, the Logos spoke and made life. He, he, he made it all from the words he said. Now, in the New Testament, there's a recreation. There's a newborn againness. There's a new beginning. You see how that works? In the beginning, the Logos spoke and there was light. In the beginning, when Jesus came and rewrote salvation history, the Logos didn't just speak it. He came into it. He walked among it. And then He spoke things into the evil darkness of this age. He spoke light and life. And when there was dead men and dry bones, He said, let them live. Woo, that's good. Jesus came in the beginning and He's come again. That's where John wants you to understand. He's brought life and light again. He's brought life to dead things. And His Word came like He said it was. And it walked this earth, accomplished the purpose for which He had to it, and it returned back up to the Father, and it was fulfilled. It's finished. It did not. He did not return void. That's some good preaching right there. Jesus didn't return void. Ooh, gotta breathe. Okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? John begins this, it's called the prologue, that's the beginning. It's a three-fold declaration. It means, in the beginning was the Word, that's number one. Number two, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I love what this theologian says, uh, Barrett. He says, John intends that the whole of his gospel shall be read in the light of this verse. The deeds and the words of Jesus are the deeds and the words of God. If this not be true, this book is blasphemous. He's saying that this is how you define Jesus. He was the beginning. He was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So as you read this gospel, this passages, and when you say, when he begins to say, I am the door, I am the way and the life. I am the good shepherd. My father testifies me the works that I do. I do because the father has sent me. I don't do anything separate from what my father does. What I see my father do. I do. That's what he's saying. This guy is the living word of God. Don't you understand? Don't you get it? He's not just some guy that died on a cross. He's not just some baby in a manger. He's not just some good prophet that Muhammad would agree with. He is the word of God made flesh. And if you don't believe it, you'll never get it. If you don't see it, you'll never get it. He is God. So what does that mean about Jesus? It means... That he is the agent of creation. He is the attribute of his. He is eternal. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is. So that, let me say this. He is everywhere. He is all knowing. He is all powerful. He is unchangeable. He is holy. I can give you all the scriptures for those. He's got an office of deity. He is the creator of all things. Colossians 1 uh, 16 and 17. He's not only the creator of all things, he's the upholder of all things. Let's just look at that just for a second. Colossians 1. Because Paul kind of does it in his own book, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Paul writes about the incomparable Christ. And it says 15. Let's look at 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him. That's the Logos. Through Him, His word, His breath spoken. into. Remember, there's the Holy Spirit hovering, which is the breath of God. The Logos speaking And then there's God the Father. So, you know, however you want to put that into your own Trinitarian oneness doctrine. I mean, because it's all the same. It's There's God the Father speaking, hovering. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. It's God. It's all together God. All right? And he says, he spoke. And I love how he says, it's all through him and for him. And I love the next one. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I spent some time in the the deer woods, just meditating, spiritually speaking, on that verse. He's before all things, and in Him everything is held together. When you see the sunrise in the morning, when you hear the birds singing, when you see the clouds rolling by and the thunder coming in, it is made through Him, it is made for Him, and He is in all things, and in Him all things are held together together. This world is spinning around this old sun because Jesus wills it to be because Jesus is still alive. He's still the word of God. He's still alive and he wills it to be. And so when you read the gospel and when you when you see Peter jumping out of the boat and you're going to apply that to your life, what we have that Peter did not have is this revelation that I'm going to walk on some water that it's OK because he wills that water to be. He made that water so. So we should have a faith today in who Jesus actually is. And when you come up against cancer and you're fighting depression and you're fighting loneliness and people don't like you and people disown you, you say, who cares? Because he is the I am in him. Everything's held together. I'm in him and he is in me. What what can man do to me? Like David said, it doesn't matter all of this stuff that we think is so important today and we care what people think and we're going through these trials. Yeah, they seem so uh, big now. But when you zoom out to the Logos, the cosmic God who in him, all things are just enveloped in his arms and he's just spinning this world around like a top. Man, you get up to heaven. Man, I I posted yesterday, it's going to be a small world after all when you see it all. I mean, when you get up there with Jesus, you're going to look back and say, man, it really wasn't. Every, every problem I had is overshadowed by the immensity of Christ. Everything we could ever go through, every tragedy, every issue, every difficulty is overshadowed by the immensity of who He is. Isn't that good? So He can forgive sin. He can raise the dead in resurrection. I love what the first is. Who are you? offer forgiveness for sins (laughs) and you know you just want to be jesus and just boy you know what are you talking to you know it's just like come on i made the world dude who are you to ask me a question about why i can do things and how i can do things i will turn more than tables over in this place i mean come on just think about what reserve this guy had in those moments and it's like, oh, foolish people, how long do I have to deal with you? My gosh, don't you believe? I've walked on water for crying out loud. I can calm the wind and the waves. I'm raising people from the dead. What do, you gotta, what do I got to do here? Do some more parlor tricks and count cards? or What, what, what do we got to do to make you believe I am that I am? Amen? All right. Just gets better. Okay. Let's talk about some of these terms here in the last few minutes. So God spoke, and that's what happened. He's God. He is the shared nature of God. And when the Lord spoke, the heavens were created. He breathed the word. All the stars were born, Psalm says in Psalm 33. All that came alive was alive with his life. Think about that. All, there's no life outside of God. So when the birds are alive, they're only alive because the life of God is in this world. All right? So God is life. In Him, He is light. He is life. In Him, there is no darkness or death at all. He, he's God. And so just the mere existence of this world is proof. Man is yet to ever make life from no life. We can build skyscrapers. We can build bridges. We've never made life. We've never started from scratch and said, boom, there's life. That's because that's God. God is life. You can't make God. You're not God. You can try all these scientific things and clone sheep and do all these things you want to do, but you're not God. God is life. He is life. The very—I mean, this uh, I've been in, uh, honored, privileged. I don't know to be in the room sometime like right before someone was going to die, you know. And just the presence of this Christian. I remember this Christian man. Uh, I was one of the last people to see him alive, and I walked in the room. He's just speaking in tongues. He just—that's just—he was really close to God. And i, re, I just remember feeling. Um, our we Now, our hospital and our pastor before was only like five minutes down the road. So every day we rotated. It's your hospital day, so we just rotated. and I happened to be the last pastor. We had three pastors on staff. I'd be the last pastor to see him in his room that day. And I remember walking into, Mr. Harry was his name. You walk into that room, and uh, his wife was not there, and, and I just, he didn't really know who I was because at that time, and, and I just remember, I mean, I walk in, he's speaking in tongues in his bed. Nobody's in the room. And just this presence. I can't describe it. I just know that when I walked in there, I was no longer in Columbia, Missouri in the natural, okay? And I'm not going to get weird on you, but I felt like the door to heaven was just like right there. Like you could just tangible in the room. And in fact, I prayed with him, talked to him, and I left. I went to the gas station as I left the hospital, and that presence was still with me. I actually got out of the car. Remember, that's all our staff. got out of the car. And it was not in a good neighborhood. We didn't pastor in a good neighborhood. I got out of this neighbor in this neighborhood, a very dark spiritually place. And I just felt like all around me in the car, and again, I'm not a weird, prophetic, weird spiritualist, okay? I'm not I'm not one of those. But I just felt like there was this presence that this is light and out there is darkness. And it was just like that that glory of God. And that God is life. He is light. He is real. His presence is something and nothing. Something does not come from nothing. You understand this? Something never comes from nothing. In fact, I read an article today, uh, Reading, do some research for reaching our new youth in America and talking about the the Big Bang. And scientists can take us back to that point. I believe in the Big Bang in this context that God said, bang, right? We know this. And we can take that to this point. But they can take us back to trillions of a second uh, and, and this immense heat. And it is proven science today, even from Einstein himself, even we proved it, even from a... Uh, there's an antenna here in Louisiana just in the last couple of years that proved the waves of the Big Bang are still going forward, uh, moving like a shockwave out from that one moment. And I'm not going to get all the math and all that, but basically there was such intense heat, such intense power, that in one, like... Trillionth, 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 of a myth, mything, you know, it all exploded into something. And science can take you back mathematically to that point. Science space, they can take you back to that very point. And nobody can tell you what's beyond that point. Why? Because it's God. It's God. Where the two matters come from, where all that intense heat come from, who made the heat, who put the particles together, and how could something so minute, so, so, it, it, smaller than atoms come together and collide, and then immediately, within just trillions of a millisecond, form planets and stars and galaxies. It's called God, Jesus, the Logos. The world testifies of who He is. Woo. All right. Yeah. All right, so all things created through him by him. All right, let's look at the poetry here for a second. Look at this poetry. I love how John writes. All right. There's something called parallelism, okay? I don't know. Anybody write poetry in here? You, you dabble? Okay. I miss Georgia writes songs. Uh, he says, In the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See how he uses word was, word was, word was? That's parallelism. If you were to write this on a chalkboard, you could highlight underneath the word the word, word. right? All right, so there's, a, there's one thing that's called, and we're going to get all of this, but it's called synthetic parallelism, which intrus, uh, introduces a new concept at the end of one line. Let me, let's just look in John one, uh, 1. All right, so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the word was God. Now, look how he changes. There's another one. It goes to uh, staircase parallelism. Look in verses 4 through 5. Now, watch how he does this. If you were to draw stairs, right? I don't have chalkboard here tonight. But if you were to draw stairs, you could put one word at the top, and then the next word they would link, okay, one after the other. In him was the life, okay, and the life, See how he ends the sentence with life? He starts the next one with the topic of life. In him was the life, and the life was the light. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That's poetry. He's writing it in poetry. It's on purpose. And he's defining these terms by the previous term. Okay? So the word, the life, and the light are all the same. It's Jesus. That's what he's saying. So let's just read it with that. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Jesus, and apart from Jesus, nothing came into being. In him was Jesus, and Jesus was the Jesus of men, and the Jesus shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It's all him. The word was the life, and the word was the light, and the life is is the light. And it's speaking, and he, he, look how he even paints it like Genesis. And Genesis was a dark, infinite cosmos, which, by the way, where would that come from, unless God made it? And then he says, now we're speaking spiritually. There's a physical reality that God made in Genesis 1. Now Jesus comes into the darkness of men's souls. Now he comes in the infinite cosmos of nothingness, of death where Satan has ravaged a sinful world. And he now speaks at his coming. Jesus is now walking the world, and he goes in, and and, and as he goes into Capernaum, he speaks, demons flee. When he speaks, the lame walk. When he speaks, blind eyes are open. See how he's creating. And the light is shining in the darkness. And people don't know what's going on. They don't understand it because their minds are still in darkness. They don't comprehend the light that is advancing the darkness back. And you see, you and I today are privileged to be in the kingdom of light. And everywhere you walk, you have the light of God. And we are advancing into this dark Evil, dead, ignorant world, and the light can shine in the darkness. They may not understand it, but in the life or in the light is the life, and that's the light of men. And that is Jesus. Amen. All right. So the life is in the logos. It brings illumination to the heart, just like it brought illumination to the galaxies. Now it brings illumination to the hearts of men. All right. Spiritual light. Spiritual life. Light focus. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Let's just read that real quick. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the word of His power. Mm. He's the radiance of the glory of God. If you want to see God, see Jesus. If you want to have access to the Father, go to Jesus. If you want to know what God's nature is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God feels about things, thinks about things, or would say about certain topics, go to Jesus. That's what we're looking at here. In Him is all life and is all light. He's the Word. And if you remain in darkness, you've got no part in Him. If you remain in darkness, you deny Him. To deny Jesus has come in the flesh, John would say, is to remain in darkness. It is to be disunited from the heavenliness of God. And even in this prologue, John has right, got this, this plot, okay? And it's this. Uh, I think I have it on the next screen. This plot is the continual resistance of the light, one author says, to darkness and the inability of darkness to triumph in spite of the utmost that hatred and unbelief can do. This is the chief theme of John. I'm going to read that again. This is the chief theme of John's introduction. It's that there are some people who are continually resistant to light. They want to remain in the darkness. But there is an inability of that darkness to triumph over the light despite all their hatred and despite all their unbelief. That's what John wants you to know. And don't you see that in the world today? Hatred for what God would say. Hatred for the church. Hatred for Christianity. Hatred for morality. Hatred for truth. Hatred for revelation. All of this unbelief. All of this evil. It's all darkness, John says. And despite that, Despite how much the darkness hates the light, light always triumphs over darkness. All right. John is not warning us in this moment, before we get into all the fleshly things that Jesus is going to do, he does not get us to that place to focus on the flesh, except for our own self, all right? So he's not talking about the fleshly part of Jesus, but the deity of Him. Most Jews would have rejected that God would walk as a man. No, this is God. He's kind of, awesome, almighty, high and lifted up. He's the guy that Moses spoke to face to face. His face was changed, for crying out loud. When he spoke, mountain was trembled and the fire fell off the mountain. If you touch the mountain, you die. Even a goat, if a goat touched the mountain, the goat dies. That God, how can that God come inside a baby and walk around and stink and have to have a haircut and put clothes on? Come on, grow a beard and have to shave? That God... The sheep killing God, right? That God who requires blood sacrifice so that you do not die in eternity, who spoke the world. In what are you? Are you crazy? Like, seriously, dude, are you crazy? I don't care what this guy can do. There's no way he's God. God's back there in the temple, hiding behind a veil. That's God, somewhere in a box. We just pay homage to him and pay him off every now and then. That God. He's like, no, he's the word incarnate. So they would reject it. So that's where he says now, but no, 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 no. Do you understand? He tried to tabernacle with you before. This is the way he's really going to do it now. He wants to tabernacle with you. And he even says Moses and the law would testify about him. Look what he says. He says, John testified about him and cried out. In verse 17, he says, For the law was given through Moses. Moses is the the, the chief dude, man. He's on the dollar bill. Not really, but you know, he's the main dude. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. You lift up Moses, but God has exalted Jesus. He says, no one's seen God at any time, but Jesus has come to explain him. And so, and I love, and he goes on, he says, the word has been incarnate. So now that's who he is. And then he goes to John 1, 13. He says, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He was born of God and you can be born of God too. And it goes back to Ezekiel 36, where the prophet prophesied. He says, I don't understand these troubled people. They're like dead men and dry bones. He says, but God's going to breathe life in those dry bones. There's going to come a newness. And God says, I really desire that I would put my word in their heart. And I would take out their stony, evil hearts, that fleshly callous thing, and put a new heart in them and write my law, write my word on their hearts. He says that in John 1, you're not born now of the will of man or the will of flesh but you can be born of God. That day that Ezekiel prophesied, that's today. That day that Moses looked forward to an advance when God would really dwell among his people and tabernacle among them, that day's today. That's the day that you and I live. And he says, now this Jesus has made him known. And it's God's will that you know him. Isn't that good? All right. We're going to pause there. And next week we're going to talk about the witnesses. Oh, don't go on. We're going to bring it up next week. But let me just ask you this question as we call We've got a few minutes here to talk. How does this... This is what I pose to my students in, in, in Bible school. How do, does knowing this, the infinite Logos made flesh, how should that change your perception Of him dying on the cross. Because John will start with this. But he'll not end with Logos cosmic. He'll end with a man. Bleeding. Dying. Wounded. Saying over and over again. Father forgive them. They know not what they do. Father forgive them. They know not what they do. Father forgive them. They know not what they do. What does it say. If in this story. Look how John. Why would John do that? He doesn't come back and say the Logos did this, but that's what he's wanting us to understand. In the beginning, God, the Word, made flesh, and at the very end, that Word, He died on a cross for His own creation. How, how does how should that impact us? I don't know if there's answers. Just throw me some stuff out there. What do you think about that? What does it speak to you? about God or this story? How does it make you sure His promises are true? Awesome. that's right. In the flesh, we don't get it. That's right. That's right. Only by the Spirit. He's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and coming into church, and, and sometimes we put a cross on a screen or, you know, on the wall, and, and how many Christians just, we take it, and I do as well, confessing, take it for granted, the immensity of what he did, right? Yeah. Think of him not just as a baby, not just a prophet, not just a power guy, not just this mighty worker of miracles, and, and not even just the Son of God, but the Word of God, you know. Plan from the beginning. Yes. Yes. That's right. That same spirit lives in us. That's good. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my gosh, yes. Underappreciate what's in us for sure. And, 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 and how little faith we have sometimes, you know. And even how little we think of ourselves. Now, I, 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 it's all, I think our life in the gospel in America, we often lift up people way too much, and we don't lift up him enough. I believe that. We always talk about our dreams, our ambitions. God wants to fulfill you, give you the best boyfriend, best car, make your dreams come true. That's really not, none of that's the gospel. It's all about him. But, but that how much we should appreciate and how much we should value and have faith in He is, and he's in us. And I'd love for me, in a little out there theology, I guess, is that when we get to heaven, we are in him and one with him. Because he says in John 17, I pray that they are one as we are one, right? Well, what are you saying? I mean, God the Father, the Holy Spirit's hovering, the Word is speaking. That's a pretty tight oneness. There's really no differentiation. So when you get to heaven... Uh, kind of hard to explain this. Only in my head does it kind of sort of even made sense, okay? But it's the idea that the closest I feel to him here on this earth as we play worship, as I read his word and you listen to a study like this, you feel close to him. And even just the other day, as we're going through this trial in my family, I'm on a lawnmower and man, the Holy Spirit baptism just comes over me riding on the hill on the lawnmower and just whew, tears are flowing, speaking in tongues. And, and just God's Near, I just, you know, the one thought I had the whole time I was on the lawnmower, I was just, I know him. Whew, I know him. I know him. I know him. Like just that reality just clicked. Like, ooh, I do know him. I know him. Him, the him, the big him, capital H, him. I know him. Have this intimate relationship. And there's coming a day where there'll be no fleshly barrier, there'll be no earthly barrier of time and space, there'll be no sin barrier, and He and I will be completely one. And you and I will be one as well. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But there's a oneness there that we'll all be one with Him. The incomparable Christ, the Logos. No words. And maybe that's where John really wants us to stay. You can't get it. You're not going to get it. But just be amazed by it, if anything, right? Be amazed by it. It's a good book, isn't it? We are just in the first 14 verses. (laughs) So any other questions or comments? I'll leave you to be wowed by Jesus. All right. Lord, we praise You, Jesus. Thank You, Lord, for the Word of God made flesh. We exalt the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that we know You more through the Word. May we dig deep wells into your spirit, O God. May you pour out abundance upon us. O God, may we have faith in you. Lord, we exalt you high above everything. Every lofty thing in our lives be made low at the name of Jesus, God, that we trust you with our lives. You are bigger than COVID-19. You are bigger than an economic collapse. You are bigger than the Democratic or the Republican Party. You are bigger than racism and hatred and murder and division you are bigger than the kingdoms of man all the people every knee will bow every tongue will confess jesus is king he is the lord he is the living one who has been raised from the dead that there is no god like our god and so father may we sleep in peace under the shelter of Your wings tonight. God, may we walk in faith tomorrow, declaring, I am a child of the living God. I have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. God, we walk through this valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, for Thou art with us. And so we thank You, God, that You are with us. And we know you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Revival. Come on, somebody.